Welcome to a throwback edition of the Social Flight Live podcast, where we feature a special past episode that stood out from all the rest. Join our live broadcast every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern at socialflightlive.com. Social Flight is brought to you by Aspen Avionics, Avidyne, Bose Aviation, Continental Aerospace Technologies, Lightspeed Aviation, Massimo Mighty Sat, Tempest Aero Group, and Whip Air. And now, here's your host, Jeff Simon. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Social Flight Live. I'm Jeff Simon. We have a fantastic show for you this evening. I'm so excited. Ariel Tweedo is here of Flying Wild Alaska. Uh, before we get started, as usual, just a quick pieces of uh, background and a few tips. Tonight's program will be recorded and available on our YouTube channel. If for some reason you get uh, dropped or you can't see something that's going on uh, on our screen, then all you need to do is restart. Just go back to your link and restart. If you're on a mobile device, you may have to swap back and forth to see the difference between us or later we're going to show you a quick clip. Uh, until then, again, thank you so much for joining us this evening. And of course, I want to put a plug in here for all of general aviation, because uh, if you go to socialflight.com or get the free Social Flight mobile app, we have tens of thousands of aviation events and destinations, so many things going on that help support our vulnerable industry. And that is why we're here. It's our passion. Flying is why uh, we are all here tonight. It's why we do what we do. It's our passion for it. And so um, I just want, again, to tell you to do that. And I have very exciting news pertaining to that. So many in-person events have been canceled over the past year. It's been so hard for us to, to get together in any safe manner whatsoever. And at Social Flight, we spend a lot of our time getting out there and cataloging what's happening in general aviation. We just completed a huge effort to look at all of the air shows and events that are coming this summer and towards the end as it goes into fall and throughout the rest of 2021. And I am excited to say we found over 600 events that are happening around the world that are going to be and planned to be in person. And I think that's due to the fact that uh, we are coming to a point now where even though every day is, is still dark and there are so many challenges with the COVID crisis, we can see an end in sight with the vaccine. And there are a lot of people planning now uh, to see uh, uh, what aviation happens uh, and what happens to all of us as we come to the end of this. And the answer is it's going to return. We're getting all these events and air shows, et cetera, happening. So look for those in social flight and, um, and you'll see so many great things to do. Anyway, without any further ado, what I'd like to do, I wanted to kick this off with something special. And so I am going to uh, play a, a quick intro. Um, you know, Ariel is known for so many things. And one of the things uh, that she has, in addition to Flying Wild Alaska, that you know her for, is this wonderful movie that's coming out. Um, that's called Into America's Wild on Netflix. Twitter, let's bring Ariel on the line now. You know her, of course, from Flying Wild Alaska. Uh, she has this great new movie coming out, so many other things that are going on. And of course, on Fox now, an animation that's here, The Great North. Welcome, Ariel. How are you doing? Oh, I'm so good. How are you? Excellent. Um, listen, thanks for taking the time to join all of us here on the show. You know, obviously, as we said, everyone knows you and watched you on this uh, wonderful show uh, uh, all those years ago of uh, Flying oh, Wild yes. Alaska. So much less gray hair. <laughs> I, was, I saw a clip the other day and I was like, oh, my God, it's actually, um, it's, if you go back and look at it, um, it's a whole new set of teeth. Since then, I think I've knocked out my teeth like seven times. And so I look back and I'm like, oh my God, I think those were the pair from like a beaver or something. <laughs> anyway, how are you? I'm wonderful. Um, you know, so many people know, obviously, they kind of, uh, they probably think of you as the star of the show, which your parents may not necessarily uh, uh, like to agree with. What they don't necessarily know as we followed you through all of that is that you created the show. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people, I, I don't know, I was 20, and I did a show called Wipeout, it was on ABC, a big competition show, and while I was doing that, I met a guy 
Um, and we started talking about like my weird Alaska flying family. And it was right when Deadliest Catch came out and Ice Road Truckers. And so I was like, I think my family's as interesting as them and we're all pretty weird and crazy. We should do a show about us. And so we created the deck together and went and pitched it to all the networks, got denied by everyone for like a year. And then finally, like a year later, Discovery called and I was at a music festival um, and they were like, we love your show. And I'm like, I think you got the wrong number. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Dancing. And then it hit me like a while later that night. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> and so, so that's how it happened. So thank God I, um, I answered the phone. Now you're, you're like a crazy athlete, right? I mean, you weren't just on wipeout out of coincidence. Um, I, I guess <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm a crazy athlete. I, I love, um, I love adventure and sports and running and wrestling and all that. And so I've been doing that forever. And so, um, I guess I would say I'm an athlete. I, I I wish I was better at a lot of things, but um, yeah. When I say when I say crazy, I mean like you're really good. You didn't just appear on Wipeout, didn't you? Come in like second. Yeah, I lost by flipping like three seconds because I I think what did I break? I broke my thumb, and the last obstacle I had to pull myself up this thing to hit a button. And I, like the ninja guy in front of me beat me by three seconds. And so I was like, ah, but then they invited me back again. And I, I think I got in second again. And then I helped, I, I did it a couple times. And so um, it was such a fun experience and it opened so many doors. And I think, um, I think one of my moments this is like the fan favorite moment. It was when I missed. I did something really stupid, but then because of that moment, I got a lot of um, a lot more attention. And then I was like, I want to be a, like play and do like entertainment forever. And so that's when I got the entertainment bug. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I mean, you may have come in second on that, but I don't think anyone knows the name of the person that came on that ninja guy who came on first. Uh, so we know your name, so you win. <laughs> uh, Watch, he's probably watching right now, and now his feelings are hurt. Oh, I'm sorry, ninja guy. Um, so tell us how you turned it you know. into a show. Uh, you got the call. What what happened from that point? So once so once we did that, once we sold the show, then we got a crew. Um, there was like probably twelve, maybe fourteen, um, like camera sound producers, and so we had team A, B, and C. So me and my parents were team A. And so we had like five camera people living with us in our home in Unicleet. And then we had another team B, they went to like Nome and then team C like floated around. So whenever um, there was an interesting story in Barrow or Bethel or Anchorage, that, that team would go and cover that. So, so we, I think in the beginning of the season, we were trying to figure out what my storyline would be. And that's when we were all like, I'll get my pilot's license. That sounds good. And you guys will pay for it. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> so, so that was my like thought. I was like, how could I get like a free pilot's license from this? And then, and then also they were like, do you want to hang out with your parents that long? And I'm like, uh, yeah, they're like my favorite people. Um, so I got to hang out with my parents for a good, like almost four years. And so, so that's what it was. It was team A was me, my parents and my older sister. I have a younger sister, but she didn't want to be a part of the show. Um, and then, then the other crew would just hop around all over the state and chase stories. And that's what I loved about our show is like it wasn't overproduced. We um, just kept the cameras rolling all the time. And then stuff just happened just naturally. What, so what did your family think about this when you come back from this music, uh, this show, this festival you were at, and, and kind of said, hey, um, so. <laughs> they, I honestly, they didn't really know about it. They just, um, we sort well, I sort of told Discovery Channel that my parents were in on it and they weren't. <laughs> and, then, and so we pretty much just showed up and my parents are like, what the heck is, are, is everyone doing here? Um, but they were, they, at first, my, at first my dad was like, why would any, anyone want to watch us? We're the most boring people ever. And my mom was just like, my mom's so game for anything. Um, and then 
couple weeks into it, they fell in love with the camera crew. They became like family and they, then they just loved it. And it was always, my dad's a little bit more, um, more reserved than me and my mom are. And so every once in a while we would have to egg him on and be like, come on, dad, this is actually exciting. Like you landing on a sandbar or you going to do this and that. He's like, no, it's not. It's, it's what we do. And I'm just like, <laughs> so it's every once in a while. I, my, my job as a producer, I just as a, a part of the crew was to keep my parents um, like stoked about filming. And then also to like keep my mom from getting into trouble and to keep my like sister in line. And so it was, I had the best job. <laughs> so you were actually, uh, you're both on camera and also behind the scenes as one of the producers on the show then. I don't think people yeah. know that either. Yeah, it was so fun and I learned so much. I love production and it made, it made me, I think I learned so much on that show about interviewing people and about um, my, like, like your, your job is like one of my dream jobs is to host a show. Um, like I, I want to be like Eskimo Oprah or like, <laughs> like I, I want to have like a, a, my own talk show where it's inspirational and you're helping people and you're, um, just like telling good stories. And so, um, through our show, I just, I learned so much and I, um, yeah. And I just hope I could have a career in this business forever and, and to keep flying. I mean, flying is, we'll probably get into that, but I just, I love being in the air. My grandpa was one of the first Native American pilots to start his own airline, if not the first. Um, it's just in my blood, and I just I love being a. I, I love the the camaraderie, and I love the pilot. Just how pilots are. It's like it, it, it's, I grew up with like seventy some brothers, and uh, yeah, and that's what, that's why I dress like this. Everyone's like, you dress like a little boy. I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, flying seems to me like the most exclusive, non-exclusive club possible because everyone that's part of it and has kind of worked their way there is dying for more people to join. Oh, yeah, 100%. Well, what's that funny saying about, um, how, what's the quote about, how do you know a pilot's a pilot? They'll tell you. It's yes. like, <laughs> like, you just, like, everyone's just like, all you talk about is planes and the weather. Exactly, exactly. Except most people tell the joke, right? And they're always thinking that it's about boasting. It's not. It's like, okay, so we're all into this. We need more people quickly. Like, hey, you know, I'm a pilot. You can be too. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And and we need, there, I mean, what's the, how, aren't we going to be short like 50,000 pilots by like 20, like at the end of 2026 or something? Yeah. I think. Uh, probably 10 just, times that. Yeah, probably more. I just like, yeah, more people have to get into it. It's so fun. It's so fun. And, and there's just a never ending amount of like career opportunities. Like you could be crop duster or you could be a bush pilot or fly for Delta or be a ferry pilot or like a island hopper. There's just so many um, options for you. Yeah. Yeah. And maintenance, everything, all, all aspects of it. You're, you're absolutely right. So, you know, one of the things you, you mentioned, you, you, you glazed over it really quickly earlier, and that is that um, the show, as opposed to a lot of kind of like things that I, you know, have the tag reality on them, your show's not very, very produced, right? In terms of you do the work of production, but it's not scripted is I guess the word that I'm like looking, looking to say. Is that how you, how you created it? Well, in the very beginning, um, we, so there was, it was um, a guy named Tommy Baynard. He was um, one of the creators. He's the one that I met at Wipeout. And so he was super awesome and just wanted to be authentic. And our goal was to make people in Alaska, the villagers, um, they, we wanted them to be proud of the show. And we wanted them to be like, that's so true. Like that happens, that's real. And we wanted just to be just honest. And so um, we all came into the show on the same page. We were like, we're not, we're not going to produce it. We're not going to feed words to you. Um, like you just be yourself and let's tell the truth about how it actually is in Alaska. And there's, and there's not all good. It's not all igloos and rainbows. It's like, there's, there's a, a lot of darkness too. And I'm like, we have to show that side of Alaska and mm. um, educate people on how it actually is up in the villages. And the reality is it's the, there's a lot of dark, hard times, but we're resilient people and we get through things and we we're stronger because of it. And, um, yeah, and so that was a really big part of the agreement that we had with the whole production crew is like, we, we're not going to make up things and we want to just be real. 
So you didn't didn't have to create drama or create those things because that's the world that you came from. Yeah, exactly. And I'll be honest, towards the end of the show, the reason we ended was because it was starting to get a little bit too produced. I think think one option for a storyline was for my dad to deliver a wedding cake to one of the villages. And so, like, um, and then then we had to do like retakes and just like the producer shaking the plane and the cake wobbling. And my dad after that was like, yeah, we're done. This is ridiculous. And so I was like, my heart broke when we ended the show, but it was, it was the right time. And I think we ended it at the, like on a high note. And um, yeah, because I think if we kept going, I mean, no one's like, no one's life is that exciting and I think um we ended at the right time and so if it was if if it were up to me it would still be going but it was up to like my parents because I mean my dad ran the company my mom was feeding the whole crew all the time and so I (laughs) so I think um I think I think we ended on a good good note yeah now now, so you mentioned it it, your uh, was it your grandfather that was one of the the first uh um, uh, um, like started the first airline that, that was um, there. Ryanair. Okay. And now my um, my uncle and my cousin run it. It's one of the biggest wow. like cargo companies in Alaska, I think. So you grew up around it, and the and the show itself was that trigger point for you to learn how to fly. Um. Well, yeah. I mean, I've always wanted my license, like my pilot's license. I mean, my um, we I, we've been flying since we were zero, and so my dad, like we me and my sisters all knew how to fly pretty much by the time we were like 11 or 12, but not legally until, um, like, until, I think I was, I think I was like 21, but my younger sister, she flies helicopters and planes and she's a, the best pilot in the family. Um, and then my older sister flies. And so my mom knew how to, my mom knew how to fly before my dad. Um, all my uncles on my mom's side of the family, there's like nine of them. They all fly. Um, my dad, my dad and his younger brother, who unfortunately died in an um, airplane accident like mm-hmm. uh, a while ago, he like they fly and they they started Era together. They started the whole airline together, and so it's just everyone flies. Like my my grandma actually bought my grandpa his first plane with her teaching money. Um, so yeah, it's just it's it's all it, flying is everywhere in our family. Wow. And, and it's so, you know, from, I think one of the things the show made such so clear to everyone is in a way how different flying is up there uh, because it's, it's based on necessity. Oh yeah. Well, the, I mean, the only way in and out of my village is by airplane. So that, and that honestly was one of the biggest um, thing for me is like, I want to go see the world. Like I want to see what else is out there. I want to see palm trees and sun. Um, and so my dad's like, well, if you want to get out of here, better flip and learn how to fly. Um, and so, and so I was like, okay, so yeah, it's, it's, um, I mean, like my dad's company, he's flying passengers, but he's also flying essentials like diapers and food and, um, like medevacs and coffins. And so he is like the lifeline between villages. Wow. Yeah, it, it's it is a, such a different kind of. It, obviously, there's a lot of things that are the same, but there's a lot of things that are very different. So, what what was it like with your experience in actually uh, finally? I mean, we got to watch it, obviously, but but for you on your side of it, when you you had double duty of learning how to fly and knowing that everyone was watching you. Well, the hardest part for me was trying to do all my ground school and all the workbooks and stuff while shooting the show because our whole crew would be like having a party and like like going out to do fun stuff and I had to sit there with my book and I'm like oh I want to go and play and then and then the hard like physically the hard part though was when I was my I started in my dad's 207 training and that thing was just so big and heavy and I couldn't even see over the dashboard and then a camera's in your face and so you're trying to look everywhere and that's why in every shot it looks like I have like a chicken neck because I'm just like <laughs> like I can't see anything because um, you're looking over the camera through they were like we need to get her a smaller plane so they they got this awesome 152 which was perfect it was so much weight it was so much better um but but yeah, it was, um, what was your question? I can't remember. It was, um, <laughs> I, I just basically what it was, you're already answering it. 
<laughs> okay, good. No, it was yeah, it was it was definitely hard, but um, but it was it was so much fun. I'm so happy that everyone got to watch. And I and I I actually haven't seen our show. I think I saw our first episode, and then then I was like, that's how I walk. That's how I sound. And then our producer is like, yep, you're never watching yourself again. Um, so I just, I've never seen it. And so people are like, I remember when you did that. I'm like, I did? <laughs> I don't remember that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, I'm super pumped that I did it. And I've gotten such good feedback from pilots being like, hey, you inspired me to fly. Um, Jesus, if you could do it, I for sure could do it. Um, and I'm just like, well, I take that as a compliment. But, uh, <laughs> but I think people, because I, I mean, they definitely, I think they edited me to be a lot, well, I am pretty dingy, but I also, um, I, I feel like I am pretty smart, but people see that dingy side of me and they're like, this, like, nincompoop, she learned how to do it. So, yeah, I, I could definitely do it. And I'm I'm happy that they think that because if I could inspire someone to get out there and fly and get their license, I'm winning. Exactly. You got you. It was very calculated, right? So we we all know you're you're always serious and and very serious, very intelligent, and everything. And you just acted that part for everyone so that you could inspire it, inspire everyone, make them all feel like anyone could do this, right? <laughs> it was very intentional. Yes. <laughs> was there anything I mean that that really did kind of scare you about the process? Well. <laughs> Your solo flight is always a little nerve-wracking. I mean, I it was pretty windy that day. And our production crew had to leave. Like, it was, like, the next day or the day before. They, so they were like, well, if you don't do it now, we're not going to be able to do it. So then, of course, me as, like, the crew person is like, you have to go and do it. But me as being, like, this is my life in my hands is like, I don't know if I should do it. And then my instructor was like, you're ready. Go and do it. And so it was, it was scary, though, because my radio went out the wind switched um i my dad was flying around sort of near so i could talk to him and then my radio died and so i'm like uh what's going on <laughs> and then i'm still i'm like i'm talking to the camera and our producers and then my mom's cussing out everybody on the ground and so i'm just like mom don't chime in right now you're making me flustered so it was just like a big chaotic mess um but so my solo flight definitely, I'm glad it happened that way too because I think it made me less cocky because I think that's when you get in trouble is when you when you you're too confident and so um so my first two takeoff and landings those I was like Look, can I get an applause I was like Reese both of those and then my third one though my third one I had to go around because I just could not get to the runway it was so windy so every time i would line up i would just drift so far over and then um then finally figured it out that i was like okay wind switch directions let's figure this out course correct do all that stuff and then um and then i did it and man when i landed i was so happy um and then my check ride my check ride i ended up you know what i We may have lost Daryl for a minute here. Oh, I think you're back. Am I back? Yes, you're back. Oh, yay. Sorry. Yes. So, so I just told the most just... epic story ever. No, we only lost you at the check ride. Something very dramatic happened, and you wanted this pause. Uh, <laughs> that's a perfect cliffhanger so now you'll never know <laughs> no i was saying during my check ride i um i was stupidly listening to music while i was in the, like Wait i was listening you were listening to music during your check ride not my check ride sorry my um cross-country flight ah. yeah so i was like i was listening to music and i was having way too much fun and i and i was playing it up for the camera whatever and then i and then I'm like, oh my god, I am so far off course. And then that's when I was like, um, get get in the game. Like you're you're being so stupid. And that's when I was like, okay, this is serious business. Like don't mess around anymore. That scared me a lot. And so, um, and then I had then my dad had to come in and give me a nice old lecture about being more professional and safe. And so thank you, dad, because I think I definitely could have um, 
Because, like, part of me as an entertainer, you want it to be exciting and you want to be fun and all that. And then our producers were also like, eh, tone it down a little bit. And then be like, you, number one, you have to be safe. And number, like, maybe number 10 down the line is like, be entertaining. Like, they're just like, just, just be safe, get up there, do your thing, land. And, and mm-hmm. then you could be weird on the ground. So, um, so yeah, it was like our, my dad had to sit me down a few times and then our main producer is just like, focus. <laughs> I have a hard time focusing sometimes. And so, so then it was all good, but it was so much fun. I miss, I, I had the best time filming that show and I learned so much and I had so much fun flying and just, I'm super, so lucky that I got to do all of that and so grateful that I had that opportunity. And so I, I, I just, I'll always be um, in love with flying. And, and I mean, what this show, obviously on a more serious note, obviously, uh, really opened things up about what it's like in Alaska for, as you mentioned at the beginning, for, for the people who live there and, and how critical aviation is and how serious it is and how dangerous it can be. Um, oh, yeah. I think some of that may, you know, may have been uh, very dramatic, but, but much of it was, was the r- real way it is. Yeah. No, I think they, they did such a good job of telling the story because it is dangerous flying in Alaska. You have so many variables. And so, I mean, there's so much landscape and the weather is so diverse and it changes on a dime. And there's just, just so much to think about when you're flying up there. And um, yeah. And so it is, it is a hard profession, but then I, I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's possible. <laughs> like you, you do, and you could have such a great life. Living in Alaska is awesome. And then as a pilot, I mean, I'm just speaking how my dad ran the program. Like our pilots is two weeks on, two weeks off. A lot of them are from all over the country. They come and they live with my parents and eat my mom's food and hang out and go hunting and fishing for two weeks. And then they go back to their families and share those, like tell the stories. And, but they, um, or, or like if they are young and not married and they don't have kids, they would come fly for two weeks and then go to Thailand and go to Hawaii. And like they, they had or a couple of them, they left totes at the airport. So they would go fly for two weeks, go get their tote and then close their eyes and then pick a place because they all could jump seat. And so oh then God. they would go travel for free to all these amazing places. And I'm like, that's living. Like, that's awesome. So yeah, it's a really cool opportunity. And my uncle's company i think they have a similar program so man if you're if anyone out there is um listening and they want to get into bush flying like contact ryanair in alaska and they're i know they're hiring too because they um yeah i think they're short on pilots mm. wow that's such, such an uh, such an amazing thing so what following the show what ha- how's how's your flying gone and what's happened what kind of development have you had in that area i know we're going to talk about all these other amazing things that, that you're doing um but let's wrap up with the side of flying and and what have what have you done since then um in the flying world yeah so I, every man every project that i do has a little bit of aviation in it and so i've done a couple stuff with travel channel and they had me flying a plane into america's wild the movie like i got to go fly all over the oregon coast with this huge helicopter doing circles around me that was awesome um just for the aerial shots of everything um and then i've done some stuff with my dad i did um m0a um you know i did some stuff with him and did a little movie thing with him um I fly when I lived, I lived in LA for like a good 10 years. And so my buddy, um, he had this little experimental, like ultralight. It's gone. These kids in the Bahamas built it. And so his company is called, um, buildaplane.com. And so he goes around and teaches kids about aviation and science. And so I was flying a plane that these little like Bahama kids built. Um, and so, awesome. so I'm going to do in terms of my license, I just still just have my private license. Um, maybe one day down the line, I'll like keep moving. I really want to get my, um, like float ratings. Like, yes. And so if you, you look behind me, one of our, our good friends that even brings, makes uh, tonight's show possible is Whip Air. And they uh, obviously are like the absolute, you know, leader in floats out there. So floats must play a huge role in Alaskan flying. 
Yeah, they do, but not where I grew up because we only have the ocean and there's it's so windy and cold. So um, in the southern part of Alaska, it's huge. Ah, but, um, okay. but where I'm from, it's, um, yeah, no one has floats. But well, we got to get your float rating. I'll talk to them. <laughs> yeah, let's oh, so, film it. We could do some kind of fun. We, yeah, that'd be so fun. We could, like, we could do a little Flying Wild Part 2. Oh, I like that. I like that. We'll no, figure something out. We should, we should really chat about this. Absolutely. Okay, time to cover the mics. We'll talk about this later. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about next. Tell me about your movie, Into America's Wild. So Into America's Wild started because of Flying Wild. So our camera guy works for this company that I'm shot the movie, the IMAX movie, um, and they were looking for a female um, explorer, adventurer person. And so he brought my name up and they flew me down to Laguna Beach, California for a meeting. And I went and had lunch with the director and we fell in love. Um, and that night it was his son's birthday party and they do this bar hopping thing all over and everyone dresses up like, um, Anchorman. And so that night we <laughs> had the best time and I fell in love with their whole family. And they were like, uh, let's sign these contracts. Let's do this. Like we're getting, we're working together. And uh, yeah. And so we, the backbone of the movie is getting people back in nature. And I, nature is my like everything. It's my church. It's my, like, if I'm in nature is my home. And so I just feel I'm like, I, I just love the message that the movie was trying to share. And so it's me and the um, first native American astronaut, John Harrington, who's my brother now. Um, but it's me and him traveling across America and going mountain biking, surfing, running, hiking. Um, we got to run with wild horses. Um, we were like at Niagara Falls, like just us just getting outside and teaching kids about how amazing nature is. And so it, it was so fun. And we shot for like, it took like two years to me. Wow. And, and so it premiered. And then one week later, all the theaters closed. <laughs> so, so now so we're waiting for the theaters to reopen and then um they're going to be do a big push this summer but i think right now it's playing all over china and russia really is it so is it available on netflix I haven't checked no, not yet it um it will be but they want to do a big it's so good on the big screen because yeah. you have the most epic music these beautiful 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 shots like the footage is just insane um i'm like that big the whole time well, I know it's I, it's IMAX, right? So yeah, it's like designed for yeah. these IMAX theaters. It's so beautiful, and I love how they they just did such a good job. So I really I'm really proud of it, and I think I hope people go and watch it. And right now, it's so the story is so necessary because people are like are like with our technology and our phones, we're not going out to experience the ocean. And I, it's super important for kids to get go roll in dirt and to jump in the ocean and to smell flowers because if they're not doing that then they're not going to care about protecting the ocean or protecting the forests and so I think the more you expose these kids to the smells and to this just the how great it feels to jump in mud um then they'll actually care about the planet and the animals and our home oh that's so so true and and I do agree with you I mean and there have been these very uh, uh, seminal moments of, and and, thing, and and movies that should be seen in a theater, in an, especially when they're shot in IMAX, uh, as yours was, that uh, it does really make sense to see some of those live. Oh, and uh, we have another drink <laughs> delivery. Well, and my bartender came in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's water. <laughs> it's margarita flavored water. That's awesome. Well, what a perfect segue from like talking about kids and stuff to having a margarita. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Kids, this is what happens when you grow up. Okay. Yeah, you got to learn. So, um, uh, so what's it, I mean, what's it like making a movie like that? What was your, uh, you know, both of you get to do all these crazy adventures. Did, did you come up with where to go? Um, how'd that I mean, work? It was purely talent on this, which was so cool. Cause I mean, I, my job was to go and make these places look exciting and fun. And I'm like, uh, uh, what? That's, that's my job. And it was a dream come true. It was so fun. I got to see places in America that I had no idea existed. Um, going like all over 
the East Coast and at the Smoky Mountains. All of, I got to learn how to kiteboard in Hood River, Oregon, which was probably the best day of my life. It was so fun being able to like be in the air and you're like, oh my God, I'm flying. And then you land and then just tumble all over the water. Um, but it was so fun. And then I just, I love being part of a crew. Like I um, travel, like we didn't have one day off for like two and a half months. So you're with your crew of like 12 people. You eat every meal together. You wake up together. You have cocktails at night together. You're tired together. You're excited together. You're laughing together. And it's so fun being part of a team. And then just, just, it was just a blast. Like it was so fun. So hopefully, hopefully people will see the movie and then I'll get to keep working in the business. Cause you never know <laughs> you're every day you wake up and you're like, am I going to work again? <laughs> then, so it's sort of, I mean, you have definitely have to have some thick skin um, and to not be afraid for your like career in this business, but it's, man, I've been so lucky. And I think it's like, I've been able to work with awesome people and they've taken really good care of me. And then every time I work on a project, a new door opens. Um, and so I, I never know what the heck I'm doing, but then somehow it's like works out. Well, you know, I, I think, I think you'll be more than fine. And, and it's because, uh, you know, a, you're so wonderful, but uh, uh, B when you're a force for good, in the world and that's what you're trying to do and, and for for the wild for nature for all these things that you do uh, i think good things happen and and, and it, so hats off to you for that not taking this hat off well i definitely encourage everyone you know when it does come out see the show into america's wild and and chart your own adventure into it i know we uh, make uh, a, you know, we always make, make it a, a priority of ours to, to do one epic trip a year and use aviation as our way of doing it. Um, whether we're going to Yellowstone this year, uh, we've been to, uh, we, we um, uh, did Glacier National Park last year, even during the crisis. That's um, awesome. Was it you, you say we, is that you and your family? Uh, my, and my two boys. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, we are well, a team. Let, so me, let me know when you go out there one day and I'll come and meet you. Oh, you bet we will. Absolutely. <laughs> Awesome. How, how old are your sons? Uh, 17 and 18. Ben is 17 and Jake is 18. And uh, both both got their licenses recently. And um, and Jake's working on his A&P now. So we're all about uh, doing that and spreading the word so that other people know to do it as uh, to do it as well. That's awesome. Well, that says so much about you as a parent. So congratulations. It seems like your sons are going to have a great life. <laughs> well, thank you very much. But back to you, you've got another show that we will get to see soon, and that's uh -oh. The Great North on Fox, although we're not going to get to see you, maybe like a drawing of you as it's an animation. Yeah. How in the world did this happen? So it's an animation, and you've got, uh, uh, in addition to yourself, a slew of other famous people from, uh, was it Nick Offerman from, the, uh, from uh, Parks and Rec? Yeah. Uh, the whole cast here. Tell me about this. It Another dream come true. It's so fun. I, so I um, was in Alaska and then my friend is a casting agent and she, they were looking for a local talent. And so I just went in, I've never done voiceovers before. You know what? Okay. That's a lie. Cause for part of the movie, I had to do a lot of um, narration and voiceover for that. Thank goodness. Because I, if I went into audition for this cartoon before I did the movie, Oh man, I would have, I would have got laughed out of the room. But since I had a little bit more confidence and I knew a little bit about how it worked, I went in there and I auditioned. And then a couple months later, they called and said I got the part. And it's been, I mean, before COVID, you get the script and you do a table reading with the whole cast, and no one has read the script before. So you're clapping for each other, you're laughing so hard. I flubbed every single line, but people are so encouraging. And then, so then you go and do your recordings, and you're in there with flipping Will Forte, um, like Jenny Slate, uh, Nick Offerman, and you're looking and you're like, <laughs> how, how am I in here? But then it's, it's so fun. And it's all like the humor is so silly. And um, I, two episodes like they aired already, but I didn't see them. But the actual premiere is February 14th. Um, and then, and then I think my character, her name's Kima. She's like best friends with the main character. Um, I start appearing in I think episode four. Yeah, and and, and 
So, so one through three are just a warm up for you. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, well, hopefully they don't they don't kill off my character. I'm like, can you can you please keep me in there for as long as possible? I'm like, yeah. so it's just so fun though. And so so we're doing that cartoon, and then I'm developing a, my own cartoon. Um, and yeah, and just like I'm just trying to keep things the momentum moving forward. Oh my God, that must be so much. So you said you you started doing the the Great North uh, before COVID hit, so you're able to do that in person with them. We, I did like three, I think three recordings in person. Okay. Before everything switched off, that sounds like so much fun. So you did mention, and we were obviously talking about this personally. So aside that you are pitching your own uh, cartoon when you, you got to tell everyone what this is, uh, what this is about. Cause it, I, I, I laughed my butt off ever since you even told me about it. Well, okay, so no one, I should make everyone sign NDAs, so no one go okay, out there. Everybody's got to sign NDA, or we can't talk about it, but go ahead. I'll tell you about it, I'll give you a, the concept in a nutshell, and I came up, out with this idea like five, four or five years ago when I was running, um, and so, here, okay, this is my elevator pitch. Okay, so back in the day, Eskimos, we were nomadic. And so we moved from place to place, following animals. And so when an elder thought they were a burden to their family, they um, didn't want to hold them back. So they would put the elders on iceberg and basically ship them out to sea to die. And it was a badge of honor. Like it was like, you don't want to hold your family back. So anyway, so it starts with these two little old lady best friends and they're waving by to their families. The Northern lights are all coming. Um, they're like, the character that I'm going to play, her name's Farrell, and she's sort of kooky, and she packs just snacks and board games on this iceberg, and the other character is very, like, straight edge, and so she brings, like, firewood and sleeping bags and survival supplies. Anyway, so they're on the iceberg, they curl up in their little sleeping bag, and they fall asleep together, and they think they're going to die, but while they're sleeping, this cruise ship called the Heavenly Cruise comes and rescues them, and so they wake up and there's buffets of food, music, Elvis, a bunch of old people because it's like an old folks cruise. And they're like, this is heaven? This is fantastic. <laughs> and so it's basically them traveling around the world, doing all this crazy stuff because they think they're dead. So they're swimming with sharks, jumping off cliffs, uh, falling in love, like doing all this stuff. And the, for me, the backbone of the story is you're never too old to go on adventures or to learn new things or to like to go and explore the world. Like you still, like, I think elders, like they have so much wisdom, but then we forget that they're still people and they still should go and fall in love and they should still go and try new things or learn new skills. And so that's, so that's the cartoon. I, I love it. I, I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Someone is going to pick that show up. I can guarantee it. Uh, and from everyone on this thing, remember you all just verbally signed this NDA. You can't say anything about the show. It's our little secret. Never happened. Don't worry about it. It's not like we record this and put it on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I think it's a fantastic idea. It's perfect. I like the fact you wrote my mother into the script. That was perfect. <laughs> She fits. I'm good. We're good there. Got a little <laughs> shout out. <laughs> oh, your mom. Oh, yeah. I need to post a shout out to my friend Leo. Hi, Leo. Oh, okay. probably my parents too. Hi, mom and dad. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. So, where are you right now? Oh, you got a drink to tell, to tell us this one? No, it's um pineapple juice. <laughs> so, I'm actually, you couldn't tell by my attire. But I am in um, Arizona. Aha. Excellent. And, yep, and so hopefully getting a little bit of a break there. Uh, it, at some point. Yeah, it's, but it's snowing here. I'm like, how is it snowing in the desert? It's crazy. But yeah, it's, um, it's actually really cold right now. Wow. I'm in Boston. It's really cold and it's snowing. You want to switch? Wait, time out. Did <laughs> we go over this? I went to school in Boston. Where? Emerson. Boom. That's awesome. Good for you. Yeah. yeah. Well, I went there for a year until I discovered California and that there was sunshine. <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then I was like, uh, yep, later, Boston. You're colder than Alaska. <laughs> but yeah. yeah no. California's got this little thing called weather. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny. Wait, where in Boston are you? Uh, we're just west of the city. Yeah, just out out uh, of Marlboro. So, oh, cool. Uh, yep. Yep. Well, I go to Boston. Like I used to go before COVID, like a couple times a year. So we'll have to, um, we'll have to get together. We have, for 
We have so many plans there. We'll get it all taken care of. Don't worry. We're going to get full plane licenses. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get our flying rating for floats. We're going to go all the plans. Absolutely. Yeah. We're going to hold a whole different flying show. We got it all taken care of. (laughs) Perfect. Now, not not to switch on to, uh, well, I have to switch on to a more serious note because you also do so much good work for um, for, for children in Alaska and and for people that 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 live there that have a different aspect uh, on life when they um, live a little more isolated, or I should say, a lot more isolated than than people in the rest of the world. So, tell me, you have been around quite a bit of tragedy in your life and I think that it's more than um when most people might might assume um tell me about your the, what you formed with the popping bubbles yeah so I started popping bubbles in 2014 it's a nonprofit that I run um I so I graduated with 12 13 off and on kids in my class and half died by suicide and so after I lost my best friend um, I was just so tired of my friends and family members dying. And so I was like, I need to figure out how to stop this. How do you, how do you ins- show kids that life is worth living? How do you get them excited about life? And how do you teach them like, Hey, sometimes life isn't all happiness and rainbows and unicorns. Sometimes it like it sucks. And, and you just realize that it's going to be up and down and up and down. And in those down moments realize that it's going to get better. And you have choices every day that you can make and you could set goals for yourself and you could dream big. Like, look at me, this little village kid that lived out there. Now I'm living my dream and I'm having so much fun. But it started, the name came out because I was talking about how all of us, and it's not even just village kids, it's everybody. We all live in our own little bubbles. We're scared to leave our village or to try new things or to talk to people that look different from us or believe in different religions or politics. I'm like, we'd be so much happier if we pop each other's bubbles. And so that's where the name came in. Um, and part of it is like for what I talk to the kids about is like in order to be happy, you need three things. You need something to do, something to love and something to hope for and something to do. You need to have a job or you need to have hobbies or you just need to, you need to do things. Otherwise you're going to be so bored. You just like do something. You need something to love. It doesn't have to be person it could be nature it could be um your career it could be it could be your parents it could be a a, a rock um just you need to love something and then you need something to hope for because you need something to like you need to always grow as a person you need to have dreams you have to have goals you need to push yourself and you need to fail and you need to laugh when you fail and learn from your mistakes and so um that's sort of what it is I do a lot of motivational speaking a lot in the Arctic communities but now I'm starting to go to other places and it's um it's just teaching people like in order to prevent suicide, you have to show people that life is worth living and that we can all have these amazing lives. If we surround ourselves with good people, if we try new things, but my biggest thing right now is trying to instill like curiosity in kids. It's like, Hey, like you can't always teach them to be happy, but if you teach them to be curious and to question things that maybe, maybe they'll become curious about something and then that will spark an interest and then they'll, then they'll find happiness and joy. And so right now I'm just teaching myself, like, how do you teach curiosity? Like, how do you get kids to, to wonder, like, I wonder what's around that corner. Like, I wonder mm. if I did this, what would happen? I wonder if I like talked to this person, what doors that would open. I wonder if I said yes to this opportunity, even if it's scary that I like, what if it changes my life? And so, so that's it in a nutshell, but I, I'm just still trying to, I mean, still trying to figure out how to make more of an impact because I I mean since 2014 I feel like I um it's hard to measure because I'm still losing friends oh and and it's and it's still so so frustrating now in the past like the emotion of sadness is almost making me mad like why Mm. are we doing this like why is suicide just such a huge option and um and uh, yeah and so so that's, that's it. It's a hard topic, but I'm like, I, I'll, I'm going to do this until I like figure out how to end it or how to slow it down or something. So if you guys have any, any ideas out there for me, I'm open. Well, it's such a wonderful thing. And I think, you know, you lead by example and, and having your story out there in so many different ways is, is so important because it's so sincere and, 
And, and I, I really do. Your words resonate with me very much. And um, I have always believed, and even more so recently, that if, if you can uh, expose kids to more and more and more different things, and we see that in aviation in, in so many ways, you give them the opportunity to have a passion of whatever it is. And when they have that passion, even if it's way out of reach for their economic means or for their geographic location or whatever it is, they, they're incredible, incredible beings. And, they, and, and if you get them turned on to something, they can make it the focus of their life and they will find a way to, to get it. One, yeah. if it means something to them and, and it'll give yeah. them something to strive for. And I think that's how some of the most successful people are in the world create themselves and invent themselves. Yeah. So, oh, kudos to you for what you're doing. Thank you. And then, and then when they find something like something that they're passionate about, that gets them so pumped to get up in the morning. Like, mm. like it just, yeah, I feel like passion is your purpose. And like, the, like when you find your passion, that's like the purpose because then it changes your whole, whatever, I'm going to get a little hippie over here, but it changes your whole energy around you. Like people want to be near you. You'll be so much more pleasant is when you like figure out what you love and what you enjoy and what you could contribute. And, um, if you look at my bookshelf, you'd think I'm the most depressed person in the world because all my books are like how to be happier, 10% happier. You could be happier. And my dad and mom are always like, are you okay? I'm like, I just, I'm obsessed with learning about how to become a happier, more joyful, more like purposeful person. And so if I ever go back to college, I'm going to go take, um, there's this course at Harvard taught by um, Sean Aker, who's this positive psychologist. Um, and I love, like, I'm like, can I just go and sit in your class? And this like soak up all your knowledge. It's so fascinating for like I love learning about happiness. Oh well, that is your passion. Yeah, it is. I think it is. Oh wow, maybe it is. You just help me find out. <laughs> <laughs> it it it's spreading the word of that. I mean, everyone has something that they that they they actually absolutely live for. And the difference between living a life of going in and and you know punching a clock and not being happy about it versus one um, that that keeps you smiling every day is 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 that passion and you are the epitome of that thank, well, thank you so much thank absolutely you. I, yeah i try and i, I honestly I, I have to work at it every day like some days like i'll be honest some days i don't want to get out of bed especially when it's dark and cold and so i'm just like hey you talk this talk like now make the right choice and go and like go on a run even though it's cold go and like talk like call your parents if you're like feeling blue talk to your best friend like like write a poem like do something because then you just like it sometimes you just have to choose to like yeah you just have to choose to want to be happy and then and fake it till you make it like sometimes like like sometimes you just have to fake it and then then you're like okay this smile smiling thing actually works <laughs> and right. so or even just like just waving and smiling at other people and if you make them smile how much better it makes you feel and maybe that's selfish but I feel like the more you like help other people the more you smile and like try to like make other people smile then the better you feel mm, that makes a lot of sense you know the the past year has has been probably the, the, the most challenging for um, for most people out there in, in everything that we've been through. And, and that must be one of the, one of the keys to, to the people that are, that are doing better getting through it and compared to some of the people that are having a harder time. Yeah. Um, how have you seen, what, what's, what have you seen the, the impact of, of kind of COVID over the past year of your life? The same, like just a lot of like, man, well, one, the things that we took for granted, like that, like I miss hugging people so much. Like I miss running up to my friends and just like pouncing them. I miss that. I miss like not being weird when you're by people at the store and just like having that weird, just like, Ooh. like, like I, I, I miss going into like music festivals and like, mm. and so it definitely makes me realize what I like, uh, like what I took for granted. And so I'm yeah. just like so pumped for the day that we could all pounce on each other and hug each other. Um, but no, I noticed like just the isolation, you, you're, we're not, we're animals that are social beings. Like we want to be with people. We want to share, um, moments and experiences together. And now just being so isolated, you're, we're stripped away from that. And so, um, 
yeah, it, I just seen a lot of, yeah, a lot of more depression, uh, this a lot, probably a lot more drinking. <laughs> I saw something the other day about it was like homeschool kids or like something about them being taught by a bunch of alcoholics. And it's like, I was like, oh, geez. <laughs> but um, no, it's just, yeah, I don't know. There's um, just, I'm just hoping that it will all go back to normal sometime soon. And I know a lot of people are like, this is the new normal, but I, I'm positive and I choose to hope that things like a lot of things will go back to the way they were and we'll be able to sit in airplanes and like without masks on and we'll be able yeah. to like like see people smiling without like I'm just like it looks like you're smiling based on your eyes but I don't know um and yeah just you know yeah, I, 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 I'm with you on that big time I, I think and there may be there may be two camps of thought on that but when this is all over when everybody's been vaccinated when there's when it's safe uh, uh, out in the world. I think there'll, there'll be a school of thought of being cautious uh, and cautiously tiptoeing back. But, but I, I'm w- with you. I'm in, I'm in the school of thought of tackle everybody for hugs that you haven't gotten to see and strong handshakes. And, and oh. I, I, I tell the boys all the time, like, oh my God, this Oshkosh, this Air Ranger is going to be the biggest, best one ever. And, and you I'm know, I think me and my friends already got our Airbnb. Perfect. Yeah, is we'll have to. There's another thing on our list. We're gonna have exactly. to exactly like boom. Class. Put that one on the list. <laughs> yeah. What is the end of July? Yes. Yeah, okay. it's twenty uh, second or something uh, on that list. You'll. That's so um, so Yeah, fun. we have to look forward to these things as being blow the doors off. You know, make up for 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 the past uh, mm-hmm. and 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 see more events, more people gathering, more social than we've ever had before with the understanding that I'm talking about when it's safe. Oh yeah, 100%. And I, yeah, I'm so excited for like the Reno air shows and Oshkosh and it will, we'll get there. I just, um, I ha- got my first shot and I get my second vaccine shot on the third. Oh, good the, for you. Yeah, so I'm super, super lucky. I think people in the villages, we got to um, we're really lucky to be able to get the vaccine. My mom and dad and my grandma got, all got theirs second shot the other day. And so, um, Alaska, but we just have so few, so much less people than, um, the other states. And so like we have like 700,000 in the whole state. And so I think we're doing a pretty good job at, um, getting the vaccines to everyone. And so yeah, we're lucky. Well, Errol, uh, I'm, I'm with you. It's, uh, let's, let's, let's look forward to, uh, to a time when uh, when there's big hugs going all the way around and lots of parties and music festivals and fly-ins and yes. uh, pancake breakfast and all the stuff that we can all uh, look forward to. Uh, I hope you will join us again and I uh, am gonna be following up with you because I think people are gonna be watching some stuff with you and I getting our float plane licenses and, uh, and our ratings and doing a, a, a bunch, bunch more. But I just wanna say again, Thank you so, so much for taking the time out of your life to join us here on Social Flight Live. And and you are so inspirational, not just to the people in Alaska and not just to kids, but to everyone all around. And uh, I I am grateful for that. I would like to make sure everyone knows to make sure that as soon as you can and it is released to find the biggest IMAX theater that you can go see into America's wild turn on Fox. I think it's February 14th. It starts to get three warm up shows before air comes on <laughs> and see the great North. And then someone is going to pick that show up that we didn't talk about. And we're going to get to see the next big thing from you. So again, thank you so, so much for joining us this evening. Ariel Tweedo. Thank you so much, and yeah, please, I would love to come back and um, chat again, and um, let's let's stay connected and do fun things together. Absolutely. They'll see us in person next. That would be absolutely wonderful. Boston. To everyone else, what's that? Boston. I'll come to Boston. Boom. We will definitely do that. Boston, we'll do it when we get out west, um, uh, and uh, we'll include it in some of our adventures. It would be absolutely wonderful. That'd be so fun. Well, thank you. You are very welcome. To everyone else that tuned in and joined us and gave us part of your evening, I would just like to say thank you so, so much for joining us here on Social Flight Live for another show. We have some wonderful other shows coming up as well. Just wanted to let you know that on our next show, Mike Bush is back next 
Tuesday. As always, February 2nd, he'll be back. And then on February 9th, we have Backcountry Flying, another thing that's probably close to your heart, um, uh, with the Recreational Aviation Foundation. We're off the week after that, and then we're back with a whole bunch of cool stuff. We've got Team Aeroshell. We've got astronaut David Williams. It's just going to keep going and going and going. And again, thank you. Thank you so much, Ariel, for joining us this evening. Thank you guys so much. All right. For Social Flight Live, I'm Jeff Simon. Blue skies. Blue skies.